Welcome to Ruin a Bad Guy's Day radio podcast with fraud expert Skip Myers. This is your guide to fighting fraud and chargebacks. Learn the best fraud prevention solutions and strategies. How to enhance your fraud prevention team. And how to prosecute criminals. Now, here's your host, Skip Myers. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Ruin a Bad Guy's Day Radio. Hello. Hey, I'm Skip Myers. I'll be your host today. Hey, welcome back. It's been an exciting week. Spoke to a lot of different people this week in fraud. And as always, I really, really appreciate your feedback, your emails, and anything else that you can send me uh, regarding questions and how we should really keep leading the way with the fraud education awareness that we're all here to provide and really help ruin a bad guy's day. And I sincerely appreciate your feedback and all the great, great comments that are coming in through you guys. So if you're expecting one of those scripted, vanilla, reality world looking type podcasts, well, you're at the wrong place. This is sometimes an unscripted for real from a real practitioner, uh, seeing what's really going on in the real real world and trying to piece things together so that we can all work together, partner, collaborate. So we have a convergence of ideas and synergies around us together collectively, all the experts in this industry coming together to ruin a bad guy's day. And I can't say enough how important it is that when we do truly work together, we can really make an impact for the good. And that's really exciting news. Anyway, I want to go out there and really celebrate something right now that I've really been working on some some products that we've been working on here at Ruin a Bad Guys Day Radio. We have t-shirts, some hoodies uh, for men and women. We got some coffee cups with the Ruin a Bad Guys Day Radio logo. So some of you have been asking about that. Uh, there's a website now. I'll have it in the podcast notes. It's through Teespring Products, but uh, those products in all different colors, shapes, and sizes, and the all familiar and very popular Runa Bad Guys Day Radio Coffee Cup is available now at 15% off. That's right, right now. A lot of people have been wanting some more products, and I really want to get this off the ground and going and re- really love to see some of you wearing the t-shirts or having fun drinking out of that great-looking coffee mug at your home or office. But right now, 15% off. Use a coupon code that we developed called Thank You. Just thank you because I do thank you for everything you guys are doing and the inspiration you're giving me to continue doing this podcast. So right now, 15% off all of our t-shirts, all shapes and sizes, men and women. We got hoodies and the coffee cups, and we're still developing some other products too that hopefully you make this a lot more fun and enjoyable. So right now, 15% off those t-shirts. Use the coupon code thank you at checkout. The actual link will be in the podcast notes. If you have any questions, feel free to email me at runabadguysday at gmail.com. So also too, I want to thank one of our sponsors this week, and I can't say enough for this company that is really involved in the fight against fraud, and that's Dashlane. And Dashlane's a password management company, as some of y'all know. They have some other competitors, but Dashlane is one of the best password management companies out there 
right now. And right now, uh, Dashlane's offering a 30-day money-back guarantee for their Dashlane premium package. And that's only $4.99 per month. That's billed annually. And what they do, they take, you know, they, they take your password and make it easier for you to store it and use it uh, among a broad breadth of different websites. So what they say is get the next level digital protection for simple, safe browsing at home, work, and everywhere in between. Dashlane Premium combines unlimited password storage, all synced across all your devices with dark web monitoring and a VPN for Wi-Fi protection. It's the easiest solution for auto-filing those passwords and personal information combined with advanced tools that you'll never, ever want to be without. So that is a great package. Dashlane's link to that great deal right now, $4.99 per month. What a great deal to enhance your security and your passwords. It's unlimited password storage. They provide benefits that sync across almost every device. Uh, instant form and payment auto-filling capabilities. Again, I said before, this dark web monitoring, which is great uh, with personalized alerts, VPN that's available for your Wi-Fi protection and everything secured file storage capabilities. So I would highly recommend you checking that out to see that fits your particular business or personal needs. Thank you, Dashlane. Everyone, it's been an interesting week. I, I can't believe how much news has been coming out about synthetic identity fraud. So let's talk about what is synthetic identity fraud or synthetic identity theft. And so in the last week or so, I've been watching all the news and there's been so many articles in focus on synthetic identities. And I can tell you right now, I'm working with a couple large companies as we speak involving big cases of credit application fraud and credit card fraud involving the term or what we suspect to be related to synthetic identity fraud. So somebody or a group of people and what it looks like, again, we've talked about this in other podcasts, is that we have some sort of international criminal enterprises out there stealing Americans' identities in some form or fashion and using it to create a synthetic identity. So part of this podcast, we're going to look at the new article that was just released by the Legal Executive Institute, and they're part of the Thomson Reuters company, but a newly published white paper, Synthetic Identity. Identity, a new path for government fraud is a question mark there. Uh, ask the question, how do you catch a thief who doesn't exist? That's a great question. Uh, the paper that was published by Thomson Reuters examines the growing problem of synthetic identity fraud or what everyone's uh, spoofing here or talking about to shorten that up is SIF fraud. So a relatively new form of identity theft in which criminals combine pieces of real data and fake information to create an identity entirely for the sole purpose obviously to defraud companies. So, and it's almost impossible to trace. So a few podcasts ago, I told you guys back in December, I had my identity hacked. Uh, the information has been slow in coming, working with law enforcement. I'm also a part of LifeLock's personal alert system uh, on any suspicious activity with my credit file. And that's how this case got started by being communicated or called by them to alert me about suspicious activity on my social security number. In that particular case, what it's looking like, it looks like it's a hybrid of synthetic identity. The bad guys who were attempting to obtain credit at a women's 
clothing store, national clothing store, use my social security number, but other fictitious or bogus pieces of information. And that fits exactly into the synthetic identity phenomenon that's going on right now. Doesn't fit entirely into what I believe to be the real source of the problem where the synthetic identity belongs to someone that has a social security number that hasn't created or someone that has a social security number that hasn't been registered with a major credit bureau. So that's what true identity theft is. We'll get into that more a little bit here in a minute. But unlike traditional identity fraud, where someone actually steals a person's identity, this paper explains how SIF perpetrators often begin with just a single piece of legitimate personal data, like a social security number. And then they start constructing this file, full name, uh, it's a false identity all circling around this this information. And what happens is that they can cock this package that looks very much like the identity of a real person. Why else would you do it? You know, you're trying to fake out banks and credit institutions and other companies that are trying to uh, conduct business via credit. And so what they try to do is use that false identity, like I said, to apply for credit. And, you know, a lot of banks are seeing that loans are being secured uh, and then found out to be connected to a synthetic identity or even fool the government and governmental agencies to allow fraudsters to accept or intercept tax returns in different forms of payment that people receive from the government. So this is a big deal right now. And it's probably going to get worse going forward until some of the legislation that was enacted late last Last year will go into effect. And as we all know, sometimes government agencies operate at a snail's pace. So I think before those bills or some of the governmental institutions out there really start taking this seriously, we don't see the bad guys really take advantage of synthetic identity fraud to its fullest potential until these government agencies really start clamping down on some of their internal processes. So right now, finally, uh, there's a record, you know, we all know there's been a record amount of data breaches across all different parts of the economy. And all of that data and all the, that information that's out there right now has exposed all of us, all uh, exposed our personal information more than ever to all these potential criminals across the entire world. And according to the Identity Theft Resource Center, there have been uh, about 1,579 data breaches in 2017 alone which exposed almost 179 million personal records, including 14.2 million credit card numbers and 158 million social security numbers. That's a lot of information in the wrong hands. So many of these records now circulate, as you guys know, and we speak about this quite often on this podcast, but these records now uh, circulate across the dark web uh, where they're sold like almost any commodity. You know, your personal data is a new commodity. It's a new, the new currency out there. And it's out there available to anyone who's willing to pay for it. And now we're seeing some websites not necessarily on the dark web. If you search hard enough on just the regular internet, any one of us can get, well, I'm not saying you should, but you can find these websites that are selling personal identity records. And that's credit card numbers, social security numbers, addresses, and so forth to help create a data file with a credit bureau. So how does synthetic identity fraud work? Boy, that's a mouthful. And it's let's let's keep calling it SIF, the acronym. But anyway, in order to commit SIF, fraudsters begin stealing legitimate social security numbers from people that aren't using their credits. You know, I'm looking at some of this and some of the other articles. That's partially correct. So it's people who aren't really using their credit. No, what they mean to say is that those are people who have social security numbers who have an established credit. And when you establish credit, you have to do that through one of the three main credit bureaus. And that starts usually with the application of a credit card or loan. And so 
Usually what that means is that those social security numbers that the bad guys want to steal first to commit synthetic synthetic identity theft or synthetic identity fraud are usually... Uh, those belonging to children or people who are just new to this country. So, and they were just issued a social security number. So in order to build that synthetic identity, fraudsters will then add fake addresses, fake phone numbers, and, and even create social media accounts because they know how the system works and how a lot of different investigators or underwriting uh, in different companies that issue credit uh, search and investigate a credit background. And so that's where everything starts to begin. And then while they're using these synthetic identities, these begin applying for more and more credit online. And basically they know they're going to get turned down because we all know the the legitimate way. I know when I was younger and I was so excited to get my first credit card at a major department store, I was declined. I I was too young. I didn't have established credit or a a payment, you know, with any uh, apartment complex or car dealership. So I had no credit. So I was down quite often until I finally got my first credit card with a much smaller department store. And I think it was only for about $500. But as long as you're paying on time and you're paying your bills and you pay it off, they'll sometimes these institutions will raise your credit line and you use your credit card and you make your payments on time and then you pay it off. And then you're, you're starting to look a lot better with the credit bureaus. Your credit score starts going up. You're more worthy of receiving credit because there's less risk involved with giving credit to someone who has a credit history, especially one that is really good. So what did the bad guys do? Well, the trick is that they simply apply for credit and they get that credit history started. So eventually there's a credit lender out there somewhere. It could be a bank. It could be a financial institution, anywhere like that. A And even a retailer that has their own private banking or their commercial account that's sort of like their in-house bank. And so that you apply for credit at, at some place. And eventually one of these institutions, lenders or places that issue credit cards, in-house, they'll offer the froster, or in this case, they believe it's a real person, a small line of credit. So it's similar to what I did when I was younger. I got a very small line of credit. And today I, I hear quite often that sometimes those small lines of credit start from $500 to $1,000. So frosters then make small purchases, like I just said before, because they, they understand how the system works. They'll make small purchases over several months, pay their bills like they should, like good people, and then they pay, out, pay off the balance. And that helps improve the credit rate. And that helps improve their standing with that institution. And so that institution, when phoned or called uh, and asked, hey, can you raise my credit limit? What do you think they're going to say? Yeah, they're going to they're gonna raise that credit limit. And so this is all part of that scheme to keep the credit good, keep the credit limit rising so that eventually the bad guys are going to bust out of that and, and defraud that company. So a lot of times when that credit reaches a certain number, and we don't really know what that is, it's probably on an individual bad guy basis. But I'm sure it's they wait and they have the patience until it gets large enough, you know, thousands and thousands of dollars. And then again, like like I said, they bust it out. They they max it out. They go out and on a spending spree with zero intention of making any payments ever again. So th- these criminals are very organized and extremely sophisticated, and they play the long game because they know how the system works and they use the system, you know, against itself. So large gangs of criminals sometimes will start these processes years in advance and then in, in creating all these different fake identities and then finally pulling everything together and really busting it out. So it's very difficult to catch, very difficult to monitor or investigate because 
the sole purpose of this fraud, and if you look up fraud in the dictionary, and I was asked about this recently on a, on a podcast, what is fraud? So uh, you don't have to open up the dictionary, but fraud in its most basic form definition is, is that it is meant to be hidden. So this is another example where bad guys are trying to hide everything they do, string along as long as they can uh, so that they can maximize that fraud attempt by busting out a, a large credit purchase with your organization. And that's how what it's all about. And a, a great conversation. I just want to put out there a great shout out, shout out to a good friend of mine, Matt Christensen. And Matt runs the auditlockfraud.com. And actually, he runs the podcast uh, fraudnotfrog.com. And Matt and I talked extensively about this on a recent podcast. And it was very interesting how important it is to really understand the, the roots of fraud and where fraud begins and understanding that it's, it is all about the bad guys hiding who they are and what they do from you so they can string along their fraud as long as possible. So if you haven't had a chance to, to check out Audit Lock Fraud, do so online. What a great organization. Good shout out there to Matt for putting together a great website to enhance the awareness and education for all of us to really ruin a bad guy's day. And check out fraudnotfrog.com. And I'll put that URL in the pod notes. That's Matt's link to his podcast. It's a great website. And again, great information there to help fight the bad guys. Way to go, Matt. Hey, on a second note here, let's go in a little deeper here. And, I, and I'm collecting some other different articles here about synthetic identity theft or synthetic identity fraud. Well, what a mouthful, right? But anyway, recently, Juniper Research, a big research company, put out information about online payment fraud losses are set to more than double over the next five years and to reach a, a staggering loss figure, about $48 billion. That's amazing, isn't it? And and part of that report, again, it it covers fraud in all these different sectors, e-commerce, airlines, money transfer and banking services, and so forth. And that astonishing growth, according to Juniper Research, in fraud is going to be fueled, again, by this epidemic of continuing data breaches and, and the theft of our information. So what's increasingly common, you know, it's going to be moved by the fraudsters to use those pieces of information they obtain from a breach. And they're really looking for that different people call it different things, but identity data plus or PII personally private information that you only know that helps unlock different pieces of credit through your banks, loan institutions, and credit card companies. That's information specific to you. Uh, It could be, you know, what kind of car is registered at the address where you have a mortgage, what's the balance on your mortgage account, certain things that you will only have information to that you link these pieces of information or through two-factor authentication. Those things help unlock you know, that account for you. That's what the bad guys really, really want to help open up even more fraud with synthetic identity. So what Juniper Research is also saying is that synthetic identity theft is currently really low hanging fruit because it takes a long time for people like us to really figure out what's going on. They're very patient. The article says that, you know, even though it takes time for the fraudsters to establish, many of their targets are not set up to detect all these behavioral giveaways, they say, and and that may indicate this type of fraud. So a lot of companies were still not set up to really truly identify when synthetic fraud is occurring at our organization. So synthetic fraud, uh, they say, is reportedly the fastest growing type of identity fraud in the United States. And it accounts for an estimated 80 to 85 percent of the total. That's amazing. So remember that synthetic ID theft or ID fraud is not always using your real name, your real address or phone number. It's a combination of fake information 
information and a social security number. And again, that's a social security number probably that has been established with a child. So let's talk about this for a second. You're going to hear a lot about CRAs. Well, CRAs are credit reporting agencies. So who are the CRAs? Well, that's Experian, TransUnion, and Equifax. Those are the main credit reporting agencies or credit bureaus that we call it here in short. And so why is this important? Well, because how many digits is your social security number? Well, it's, that's right, nine digits. Your social security number is nine digits. And so a credit profile or a credit profile number is made up of nine digits. And so those nine digits are in your credit profile or called your credit profile number within the credit bureau. And so why is this important? Well, that file is initiated with the credit bureau upon uh, someone reaching out to apply for credit or a loan. And right, you know, if you're a child, well, no one's a child on the phone right now, but you know, young children are issued social security numbers. Well, they're not out there applying for credit cards, are they? No, they're not. So these are new, unused social security numbers not on file with any credit bureau, any credit reporting agency. So children's social security numbers are out there on the dark web for sale. And again, they call it a, a child or children fools, F-U-L-L-Z, bad guy language, to get uh, the full name, uh, address, and social security number of this child. Now, why is this important? Well, let's go back. Uh, why do people get social security numbers for children in the first place? Well, a social security number in the United States, uh, as we all know, is a way to identify not just yourself, but but your child. So any of you have children or you don't yet, this is how it works. So in the United States, your child will need a social security number in order for you to claim a child-related tax break, you know, or something uh, that's related to a dependent exemption uh, and, or a child tax credit on your income tax return. So that's really important that you have to get a social security number for your your kid. And and again, to add your new baby to um, different records. And so what you're adding your new baby to what other record do you think? So you need a social security number to do that with your health insurance plan. A lot of people who have children start saving up a college savings plan. Well, you need a social security number for your kid for that too. A lot of people, uh, grandparents want to open up a checking account or a bank account, you know, for, for your new baby there. So you need a social security number. So how do you do that? Well, you, you apply for a Social Security number, like most of y'all did before you got a job, and we're old enough now to remember. I do when when I got mine. Parents do that on the child's behalf, so you, they go to the Social Security Administration by uh, completing a birth registration form, and they you complete the form, and then uh, the Social Security Administration sends the parents that new Social Security information because hospitals, health uh, health insurance companies, banks, and so forth, anything to do with that new child is going to want that Social Security number. So that's that's where this starts out with. So where are these social security numbers out there where bad guys find this information or hack into institutions or data breaches to obtain personal private information? Well, your social security number, not just kids, is all over the place. And really think about it. I wrote down some ideas here, some things that uh, if you really think about all the different places that you write down your social security number and how these social security numbers can be stolen, it's it's kind of scary. So first of all, it's, it's you. First, it's us. We 
have it. It's, it might be on my cell phone. It may be on my PC at home. Uh, it could be in my wallet. Now, I don't keep it like that, but some people still carry around their social security card. Not recommended to do. Where else is your social security number? Well, it's floating out there in the mail somewhere. How is that happening? Well, it's floating out there in the mail because it could be related to the government. It's uh, related to taxes. God forbid you being uh, convicted of a crime, but your social security number is probably somewhere in a criminal history as well. Uh, your social security number is tied to properties. It could be tied to uh, if you're in the military, the VA and other computers and databases within the government. If you're ever going to college or uh, any extended learning educational institutions, your social security number is there. Healthcare associations and organizations. If you belong to alumni groups with your college, there it is again within computers and different databases. Where else? Well, the obvious places your social security number is, is obviously with your employer. And then from your employer, it's the bank, your bank, your employer's bank, any credit processing companies, loan institutions, even utility companies uh, have your social security number. And then also you start talking a little bit deeper, retail computers and retail organizations and those databases from which you probably apply for credit at some point. So your social security number is out there everywhere to be stolen. And we think we're protecting it with amongst ourselves personally, but it's exposed to the bad guys from so many different institutions and organizations. So this is how it happens. But the bad guys are focusing, I believe, and if you read enough about synthetic identity theft and you work enough cases to find out that a lot of the, the uh, fraud that we're seeing that's connected to a social, social security number that is brand new, well, why is it brand new? It's never uh, been used before until you find out it's been uh, used by the bad guys to commit fraud against your organization to obtain some credit so they can use against you and bust out at a later date. Well, it's probably associated with a a child or someone brand new here in the company who just may have immigrated here and they needed to start work and therefore they needed a social security number. Now, those people probably haven't applied for credit yet. Those are the ones on the repeat again. Those are the security numbers. Children and people who are brand new in this country just issued a social security number. Those are the social security numbers that the bad guys want to start a synthetic identity. So that's so important. So again, what is it? What is your social security number called again? It's a CPN, a credit profile number. It's nine digits. It's going to be used in combination with other fake information to set up a synthetic identity. And again, it's for the sole purpose to start a credit history. So let's let's recap for a second. That means your that credit history is made there and compiled by and maintained by those credit reporting agencies, Experian, TransUnion, and Equifax. We call those the credit bureaus, the three main CRAs in the United States. We just talked about that. So they collect consumer credit histories from credit card companies and banks, mortgage companies, and other creditors to create a in-depth credit profile or credit report. And whenever a customer completes an application, as you know, this is what we're talking about here, to to ask for a credit card, to get a loan from a bank or any financial institution, all of the application information is sent to one of the CRAs, the credit reporting agencies. And the credit bureaus gather that applicant's personally identifiable 
bowl information determine whether or not a credit report actually exists. So credit bureaus scour the public records, financial information such as court records and bankruptcies and foreclosures and so forth. And if there's no matches found anywhere, the CRA or the credit reporting agency still keeps a record of that inquiry, even though they're not going to probably recommend uh, issuing credit or for that. In other words, that person will probably be denied receiving credit. There's no other history out there. So, but if a match is found somewhere and there's some sort of corresponding good credit, well, there's a good chance that that synthetic identity will be granted credit or that loan. So the key concept to understand is that any credit request submitted uh, by a CRA credit reporting agency will then create that credit file if none ever existed prior to that request. So the bad guys know this brand new social security number probably belonging to some young young kid that the parents got so they can help file the taxes and their, use their health insurance. Bad guys want that fresh, unused social security number because there's no credit file on record with any of the CRAs. Does that make sense? That makes sense, right? Because it's brand new. They can do anything they want with it. It's not out there. It's never been acted upon or, or any requests made by any other credit card company or bank or loan institution. So this is brand new information. So again, the key concept to understand is that any credit request and that credit request comes from when you apply for credit at a retailer or a private label card, Visa, MasterCard, American Express or a loan. You know, once you do that, it's sent to the CRA, the credit reporting agency. And then even though it's not going to be granted credit, it establishes a record, a record that creates a credit file on that synthetic identity. That's what the bad guys want to do because they have patience to sit there and wait or keep applying for credit and eventually they'll get something, 500 to 1,000 bucks, pay on that and eventually they'll establish that synthetic identity credit file. It makes sense. So that's what happens. That's the sole purpose of this to create a synthetic identity. It looks legit at first. It looks like a new person who's just trying to, you know, get get their life started by by applying for credit or a loan. And they do this by stealing usually young people's or new people in the United States social security number. And let's not forget where your social security number, it's it's embedded in every database around the world and the country, unfortunately. And it's so important. It, it will unlock so many things for the bad guys. That's why it's so important. Said it before, to protect your passwords, probably go out there and have some sort of identity theft monitoring company. They're very low cost. It's very simple to implement, at least give you a leg up on what's out there and so that you can be alerted immediately if your identity has been stolen and being used to obtain credit for fraudulent purposes. So here's some good news. Um, A lot of my colleagues out there have been talking about this and there's so many people who don't know this yet. This is very important. So right now there's been a law. Okay, it's out there right now. But last year, late last year, a law was created in the Senate. It was Senate Bill 2155, Senate Bill 2155. Feel free to Google that. But Senate Bill 2155 is a law that was instituted late last year that targets specifically synthetic identity fraud. All right, finally, the government's getting on board here. Finally, they're seeing the light here and seeing how we need help and the general public needs help. So Senate Bill 2155, a law that targets synthetic identity fraud. So it includes provisions that specifically are designed to prevent synthetic identity fraud. That's awesome. So one of the provisions is that the commissioner of the Social Security Administration must modify Social Security Administration databases or develop a new database 
database that verifies the fraud prediction data contained in an electronic inquiry from a permitted entity. So I'm reading part of the law here, uh, legal speak there, but a permitted entity is a financial institution, service provider, or other organization working with a financial institution. Fraud protection data includes personal data from an individual such as a social security number, date of birth, and a full name. The Social Security Administration system must also accept the electronic consent of an individual who has given a permitted entity permission to use personal details to verify their identity through the agency's consent-based Social Security number verification service. Individual consent and fraud data verification must be done electronically only and not through a signature on paper or what they call a wet signature. So look at that. That's, that is great news. Social Security Administration has been tasked by the government to do something to stop identity fraud. And I think it's going to be coming out soon. So that, that's some great news. So there's no deadline. This is the, this is the bad news. So right now, this is why we're talking about how we believe in our industry, the fraud practitioners, the people doing this work right now, the fraud that I'm seeing myself come in that is connected to synthetic identity theft is that we should all expect synthetic identity, identity fraud to spike. I mean, really spike. Because right now there's no deadline for this particular statute. There's no deadline for the Social Security Administration to enact these provisions. So there's no deadline to implement anything right now. It's just a law that says we need to get this done. So remember, part of this is, uh, sounds kind of familiar, right? Like the EMV chip law. You know, it took several years for that law to be fully implemented. So we, this, this could be a few years out, you know, before we start seeing some benefits of this new law. So just like the EMV chip rollout, those bad guys were scrambling to make the most out of that, out of a credit card fraud before EMV rolled out. So that's what they're going to do right now. I'm sure the bad guys read about the law or heard about the law, listened to this podcast, Hopefully, you know, because we're going to come after you and hopefully the government will, too, by shutting down their ability to commit identity theft through developing synthetic identities. So this is important. So I really encourage you to look up Senate Bill 2155. It's a very long, it's about 200 pages. There's a lot of different provisions in there about protecting identities uh, from the government and financial institutions. Anybody else that's securing customer data is going to amp up a little bit more for different organizations to do a better job securing that data. And it's really worthwhile looking. So if you haven't looked at that, Senate Bill 2155 targets in a provision within that bill, synthetic identity fraud, uh, and a lot of different other provisions to protect people's identities from fraudsters. So that is a great bill. Read that. It's really worth looking at. And I would uh, encourage you if your corporate counsel or anyone else within your IT team or your cybersecurity team operations or anyone uh, involved with your web development teams understand uh, that bill because there's a lot of different information in there that relates to protecting customers' information. Hey guys, I hope everybody enjoyed the podcast today. It's been great talking about this. I think we're going to talk a little bit more about synthetic identity fraud. I think that's called SIF for short. I think I'm going to use that more often next as a little, little bit of a tongue twister. So just remember about some of the provisions or some of the real important information within this podcast. A lot of this is, uh, you know, still evolving and it's very dynamic how the bad guys are operating. I, I would imagine knowing that how
how bad guys operate. They're going to take some of this information and kind of twist it around to use it to their advantage while they can. And that's why we're like a lot of the reports are saying we should see a spike in synthetic identity theft going forward up until the government really gets a handle on what they should do with the Social Security Administration to help protect our Social Security numbers. But anyway, I just want to uh, circle back to you guys and really say thank you again for everything you guys are doing. It's a great inspiration. It's always great to hear from you guys. A great feedback. You know, I t- said last week that uh, we're going to amp up the podcast by, you know, introducing certain guests, fraud practitioners, even maybe some fraudsters that I know that have, have gone to the good side. They're not on the dark side anymore. But to really highlight what's important about fighting fraud and ruining bad guys day it's really at the grassroots level it's us the practitioners doing it every day grinding it out you know trying to make a difference by building awareness and education amongst our peers and the general public and importantly our organization so that we can really do a better job really stopping the bad guys who are trying to ruin our day so again a good shout out there right now go to teespring i'm going to have the podcast link in my notes for any ruin a bad guys day radio product I'm offering 15% off discount. I get coupon code. Thank you. So 15% off any of those Runa Bad Guys Day radio t-shirts, hoodies, and coffee mugs. I love to see you guys wear it or even have the coffee mug. Get a lot of great feedback, especially on that coffee mug. So thank you so much. And again, another shout out to this week's sponsor, which is Dashlane. And Dashlane is the top password management company out there. Another great way to protect your password and your identity. Make things a lot simpler when you're logging on different sites and everything to have that password manager. It really takes up the digital protection up another level. And part of that package for only $4.99 a month, you get the dark web monitoring with any kind of alerts that are related to your personal identity. I mean, it's synced across all different kinds of devices. And what I love the most is that it it helps you instantly fill in or autofill payment information in a secure fashion. So take a look at Dashlane. Dashlane Premium is $4.99 a month right now. Now it's a 30-day money-back guarantee. The link uh, to this great deal will be in the podcast notes. Please take a look at that and see if it's worthwhile for you to protect your personal identity or something you can use at your organization. Hey, everybody. Thank you very much. And welcome back to Ruin Bad Guys Day Radio. Looking forward to talking to you very soon. Have a great week. Thanks for listening to Ruin a Bad Guys Day Radio Podcast with Skip Myers. If you liked our show, please tell your friends and colleagues. You can learn more about us at ruinabadguysday.com or visit us on Twitter and Facebook at ruinabadguysday. Join us for another episode of Ruin a Bad Guys Day radio podcast. The information provided in Ruin a Bad Guys Day radio podcast is for informational purposes only. It should not be considered legal or financial advice. You should consult with legal counsel or other professionals to determine what may be best for your individual or organizational needs.